0: Hi, everyone. I'm Fox News' Root on the Thursday, June 29th edition of Let It Rip. Things got heated as we talked about affirmative action. Obviously, the Supreme Court talking about lifting requirements to follow affirmative action across the country for college campuses, something in Michigan that's already been in effect. We uh, talked to our panel about it, and as we say, things got a little bit heated at certain points as we unpacked this topic. We'll take a look at that. Also coming up tonight, we're taking a close look at the wildfires in Canada, Is the Biden administration doing enough? We take a look, and with that, let's Let It Rip. Tonight on Let It Rip, hundreds of wildfires burning out of control in Canada, and they're burning us in the United States, Metro Detroit, and much of the country covered in a thick haze of smoke, and it's landing more people in the emergency room. So why haven't we heard from some of our state and national leaders as we breathe in this poison? And do we have a bigger role to play in getting these fires out? We're airing out those questions. But first, the US Supreme Court delivering conservatives another victory, a 6-3 decision declaring race cannot be a factor in college admissions. But does it actually level the playing field? Or is it a step backward in the fight for equality? The debate starts now. And so it's time now to let it rip, a complicated topic for sure, but one our panel is ready for. We're joined by Congresswoman Haley Stevens, former Detroit Federation of Teachers president Keith Johnson, Republican strategist Jason Cable Rowe, and Brian Pennebacher, who founded the group Automakers for Trump. Uh, 2020. And as always, Fox 2 anchor and attorney Charlie Langton with us as well. Let's get things started right away. Let's start with the representative who's here. Congresswoman, uh, look, for the rest of the country, they're watching this very closely saying, well, what would this be like if we were to, you know, take this affirmative action away from universities? In this case, in Michigan, we already know. For 15 years, that's been the law of the land. Are we worse off because of that?
1: I'm very concerned about the national ramifications, Roop, and I will tell you, as a federal lawmaker, we have got to close the equity gap. We have got to make college more affordable. We've got to expand access to earn and learn programs, and today's ruling does feel like a gut punch. When you look at the wealth disparities, white individuals 10 times more likely to have more wealth than black individuals, how are people accessing the good jobs, who's finishing college degrees, and so we've got to open up the pipeline for good educational opportunities and affordable opportunities, which is something I'm working on every day in Washington. And Congresswoman,
0: we, let's talk more about what you're working on in a moment, but back to the initial question, though. Are we worse off 15 years ago today when this all happened in Michigan? Are we worse off because of the law of the land here in Michigan?
1: I. I think we have some things to work on, right? And and I, as someone who founded the Women in STEM Caucus in the Congress, it took to the year 2020 to do that. And we look at the number of Black and Brown women who are at five percent of the STEM education degrees and participation in the field. That's a problem, right? We all know we're here in southeastern Michigan. We've got a tight labor market. We got to train workers. We got to make sure that college is accessible to every single person. We've got in Michigan a lot to brag about, the, the the largest number of FIRST Robotics teams in the country that's really exciting, but we've got to think about who's going into the STEM careers, who's getting access to those jobs, and we've got to make sure it's more minorities and more women.
0: All right, Brian, let's bring you into the fold here. Uh, look, Proposal 2, back in 2006, you were a huge proponent of it. It passed. It became the law of the land. Um, why is it so important to you? Well, Ru, uh, contrary to what uh,
2: Congresswoman Haley Stevens talks about, the, where you address uh, the ability of minorities, blacks in particular, to meet the high standards to get into a, a prestigious college like Harvard is not by lowering the standards of the college, it's by working on the root level causes of it, primary school, secondary school, high schools, uh, illegitimacy in minority neighborhoods, fatherless homes. If you look at the, the today's uh, ruling was based on an Asian American who'd taken his case all the way to the Supreme Court. The uh, Single parent homes in the Asian community are probably mi- minuscule. In in the minority community, like the blacks, they're, they're my, uh, single parent families are, are way, way too high. But right, but we need to focus on fathers being in the homes, elementary
3: schools. Institutional
0: issues and things that need to be fixed that no one will argue with you there. However, when we talk about how to do this now, today, for the next kids we're getting into school.
2: You don't do it by discriminating right, against let, Asian let, kids let and white let kids. Me, let me
0: ask the question, though. As an Indian American kid who grew up in Troy, if I grew up poor and black in Detroit, would I end up sitting in this city here today?
2: If you worked hard enough you would. You don't know. Hugo that. Hugh Perkins right? was sitting in that seat before you and he's a black man. Let me remind you. So I'm saying that we need to address the reasons that minority students are not reaching the levels. Now listen, today's ruling doesn't mean that black kids can't go to college. It just means that some of them aren't meeting the high standards to get into Harvard. But do you or think North there's a Carolina, Carolina do, you think, State. do you
0: believe and I'm gonna to get to Keith in a minute, do you believe there's a level playing field? You think that black kids who grow up poor in certain parts I of our country this, Rube, have the same advantage as certain
2: I believe this. I believe this. America is the greatest country on the face of the earth, and you do not solve minority students' problems by
0: discriminating against non-minority students. Keith, let's bring you into the fold. There are poor white students also who uh, have not gotten the advantage of affirmative action who are sitting back, their families watching, saying, what about us? Uh, Do you see how people can see how there's there's a double standard for those who are poor and white in America?
4: Uh, First of all, Rube, I can't believe what I just heard from this gentleman here. First of all, I don't know where you get the idea that in order for a black person to get admitted into a prestigious institution such as Harvard, that you have to lower the standard. That's an insult to the black community. For you to sit up here and ask— That's exactly what we're talking about. For you, Did I interrupt you? Go ahead, Keith. Uh, for you to sit up there and, and, and imply that we are plagued by fatherless homes, that we are plagued by all these ills of society, is, is an indictment against the black community and, it, and one of the primary reasons why affirmative action came into being in the first place. Let's look, let's look at the reason that affirmative action was enacted because people, minorities, specifically black people, were denied access to opportunity. It didn't just come out of the sky. It it came out in order to address a very glaring disparity in how black people in America were treated when it came to getting an education. Now, very seldom do I ever agree with anything that Justice Thomas says, but there's one thing that he said in his ruling that does have some merit. If you, if you want to help to address the issue of diversity, then stop allowing people to get in based upon legacy, based upon their contributions, them being donors. I mean, let's be real. Do you think that uh, President Bush 43 would have gotten into Yale had it not been for the legacy points he got because of Bush 41? So don't you dare sit up here and disparage bl- the black community or— <laughs> Or our intelligence.
0: I, for want bring, our I, want bring, I want to bring Jason Cable in on, on, legacy. Hold on one second, Brian. Jason, when you look at this argument over here, and I'm gonna ask the question to you as well, is it a level playing field and shouldn't it be leveled out with affirmative <laughs> action in order to help those who have had disadvantages, not for one generation, but for many generations?
5: Well, I think, like so many things that, you know, when we talk about race in America today, we have, I think, in a lot of ways, conflated race with socioeconomic uh, considerations. Uh, If you remove race and you focus on the socioeconomic and maybe do for those disadvantaged, you're going to probably, because let's face it, the black and Latino community are disproportionately represented in the economically struggling uh, groups in America. And I think if you looked at that socioeconomic model, rather than just the color of skin, because to your point, there are poor white people that have the same socioeconomic conditions, the same lack of access to education opportunities. Maybe they don't grow up in a home with two college-educated kids, never had sure. the idea that they would go to college. That happens with poor people, and it doesn't really matter what their race is. But I do think, you know, going back to the criteria and what was talked about, you take Harvard, for instance. If you are in the seventh grouping academically of students to get into Harvard and you are black, you are 14.5 times more likely to get in than an Asian kid in that same group. You are also more likely to get in over Asian kids that are in the first group of academically qualified kids to get in. There. And that's so wrong. There's but there is definitely there, there an e- inequity there in that application. Those two be qualified, and then the application would not boost in the one well. in the seven. I mean, you we're talking about the, the decile qualified. criteria. Charlie, it is a huge disparity. Charlie, and, and I just want to say one more thing. If you go watch what. President Biden said today that these schools' admission standards are based on academic qualifications and all things being equal, then race should be a consideration. Well, if you're in the seventh grouping of academically eligible kids trying to get into Harvard and you're getting in over the ones that are first, that is not race being a consideration. That is race being the decision. Charlie had a chance. Charlie
0: had a chance. This is not. Not black and white. You talk to black families who believe that this is okay and who believe this is not okay. You talk to one African-American father today, a Vietnam veteran who's disabled, his story is compelling.
6: He had a, his son got into Wayne State University and he, I asked him, do you think that your son got into Wayne State because he was black? and the disabled veteran in a wheelchair said no. He got in because he was smart, he worked hard, he had extracurricular activities, he was a caregiver for his father who was disabled. The issue as I see it, I think we have to watch the emotion here because it's an emotion, and I recognize that, the issue is how do we achieve diversity, which is very, we all agree with that, without using race as a factor. That's the decision. It's the issue in the case. And there are many ways to do that. And even the Chief Justice wrote in his opinion that the effects of race or racism in your life can be used for a factor. So, if there's, and I'm just, I don't want to
4: stereotype, because you don't want to stereotype. As this gentleman but, did.
6: Well, be that as it may, if you are from a, 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 a poor home, <laughs> maybe you don't have uh, the advantages that a rich person, did. maybe you didn't have tutoring, maybe you didn't have the ability to, whatever. That is a factor in admissions. Well,
0: and then I want to ask the Congresswoman you represent black, white, and Indian, and Asian, and so many other people. And across I want the board.
1: everyone to succeed.
0: I, I know you do, but I have a question for you about, <laughs> we should the, uh, about the poor. We do work hard. The poor white people out there who are in the same situation that many of their Latino, black, and other are in the, are in the same situation. What, what should we do to make sure that they're getting an equal footing as those who are black and poor?
1: We want everyone to succeed. That is the key here, Root, but I'm going to tell you point blank. We have had the history of Black Bottom here in Detroit. We had the Tulsa Race Massacre that the history is just being told. And frankly, we have veterans that—black veterans that never got their due. And a mentor of mine, Keith Williams, who runs the Michigan Democratic Black Caucus, we talk about this, and this is about rebuilding and repairing. The numbers speak for themselves. Look at the wealth gap. Look at housing. Black neighborhoods and the housing values, and because and the the bias that comes into play, and we have got to work on those things, and this, it's not about giving false legs up, but it is about recognizing as a nation, with in the 21st century, Strom Thurmond, who was a segregationist, was still serving in the United States Senate. So I, I believe I, I, we've got to say
2: that everyone's going to succeed. I am 100 percent right. right. against racial discrimination. 100. 100%. That means my two white sons should not be discriminated against, and my oldest son was accepted at U of M only after we banned racial preferences in the state of Michigan. And, and that's
4: I'm not very, to very proud to have worked with since Ward Connerly, a black years man, years ago, to do The percentage that. of, of, of oh. black students at the University of Michigan has gone from 8% to 4%. No one is saying that his sons should be discriminated against you are. because they're white, but my son should not be discriminated Keith, against say, because they are black. No, and Charlie
0: pointed out that this is an emotional issue and one that will continue at dinner tables and living rooms across this country tonight. And, yes, here in Metro Detroit as well. Keith, thank you. I want to thank one you, thing, Jason, as let well. let us we not have forget
4: that white privilege. Let's not uh, try to pretend that white privilege does not exist. It's still alive. It never and never existed in my house.
0: Johnson, thank you for your time. Congresswoman you. Haley Stevens, thank we're that. going to see you on the other side of the break. Thank you very much for joining us as well, sure. Brian. And, Charlie, we're going to be back on the other side the break as we talk about, uh, not to quote Maroon 5, but to quote Maroon 5, it's getting harder and harder to breathe. It is. The reason? Those wildfires burning out of control in Canada. And you might not want to hear this, but we'll probably have to get used to this. The reason? Well, we'll talk about that when the debate rolls on next. All right, back down on Letter Rip talking about something that impacts each and every one of us, the smoke we've been breathing in from those wildfires in Canada. Here to talk about it, retired Detroit Fire Department Captain and the Fire Marshal's Division, Chris Dixon, Corowell Health Pulmonologist Dr. Devon Doshi, and Jamie Rowe from Secure My Vote. Yes, Congresswoman Haley Stevens and Fox 2 anchor and attorney Charlie Langton back with us on this side of the segment as well. Good to see all of you. Let's begin with the doctor. Look, we decided we had to dedicate a good 9 minutes to this topic because people are wondering is this safe for me to go outside and breathe this air? Who is it safe for, Dr. Doshi, and who is it not safe for?
3: Yeah, so unfortunately, looking at all the air quality reports that we've been getting over the last several weeks, uh, certainly this week has been very, very, very poor health quality to be outside. So this is really unsafe levels for anyone. Whenever you get an air quality report that's over 100 or 150, as it's been this week, it's really unsafe for anyone. It's, It's unsafe for people with underlying health issues like asthma, COPD, heart disease, lung disease, et cetera. But it's also unsafe for people that are healthy, children, um, regular adults running outside, exercising. This type of weather and the pollutants that we're inhaling outside is definitely something that we should try to avoid.
0: I mean, Dr. Doshi, to the point where we should just be sitting inside and and not go outside and enjoy an evening walk or anything like that, just
3: stay inside, huh? Yeah, unfortunately, I mean, if you look at the outside, I mean, we look outside and those clear days seem to be gone. We're looking outside and it's foggy and it, it looks cloudy, but it's really pollution that we're looking at. You can't see the sun clearly, and so all of those particles that are floating in the environment we're inhaling and those things can be detrimental to our health.
0: We have some experts with us here Chris Dixon uh, you fought fires for years Uh, you've done some homework on how these forest fires these wildfires work right now 480 fires are burning in Canada scorched 19 million acres Uh, I don't even know if you take that in for a moment 19 million acres in Canada burned 480 fires why can't they get these fires out? Well uh, I don't
7: know why they can't get them out, but one of the main causes are lightning strikes. And that's one of the main causes over there from my close personal friends that I talked to and did the research. The second leading cause is camping fires, Charlie's favorite, (laughs) cooking that chicken (laughs) there. I'm that. And, and you, you probably wouldn't understand this, but train rails that go through, when they stop, the sparks uh, hit the dry, dry um, brush. Dry brush, and, brush and those are the three main causes. The other causes, people maliciously starting fires and you know cigarettes. So those are the main causes. And there's a big difference between how those firefighters fight fires
0: and how. The but, it's been, but it's been—yes, 251 fires still burning out of control out of the close to 500. You got <laughs> 152 of them that are under control. Congresswoman Haley Stevens, you hear about the dry temperatures. Many people out there are saying, hey, this point's right to climate change because the ground is so dry, the weather's been so dry, and we're gonna see more of this get used to it.
1: I have the best-kept secret in the Congress, group, which is that I sit on the science committee, and we work in a bipartisan way to talk and address climate change. And I've got a Republican chair right now on that committee, and we are doing weather modernization, weather monitoring, and we are taking this very seriously. We're also on the heels of what we did last year, which was vote for the biggest climate bill in history, what was called the Inflation Reduction Act, What's that doing? That's investing here in Michigan and our automakers who are saying, let's get to net zero carbon emissions. That's a race that we're trying to win for the world. Well,
0: Congresswoman, the race that we need to win right now is the fight for this fire, and right now many people are blaming climate change. Do you think that's what this is?
1: Absolutely. No doubt about it. We're Michiganders. Have we ever experienced anything like this? The answer is no. We can't shrug it off. We don't need to run around afraid. We don't need to be fearful. Obviously we need to take what the doctor said seriously, but we need to look at this as a global human challenge that we can address together.
0: Well, Jamie Rowe, the last time we had a global human challenge that we all had to address together, the governor was on television two, three times a week. We had uh, you know, health mandates coming out during COVID, and all of a sudden, it seems as though we're not hearing from a lot of leadership. Look, they're getting digital press releases pushed out to the press, but you're not hearing from leaders. Is it eerily silent to you about these fires and the effects of it?
8: Yeah, I, I, I don't know how much I'm going to criticize the governor for for not being heard on this thing. The the State Health Department I think has uh, put out notices and I think you guys on television have done a great job in informing people of what's going on. What I have a big problem with is the fact that we can we can argue, and, and I think we'd be correct, that more Americans have been impacted by these fires than live in all of Canada. And what we haven't heard from is our president. for He has not issued a statement on this for three weeks. This should be—it's an American problem as much as it is Canadian. Now, I know that there are American firefighters and so forth that have gone up there, but we need to send everything we can to try and stop well, this. So far, and the president
0: hasn't even made a statement the, on it since June 7th. But the White House did, did, did talk to Fox 2 in the White House telling Fox 2 that over 1,300 firefighters and support personnel have hit the ground since May, and right. at any given moment, they can't really tell how many are there because they're switching them in and out. You say
8: more needs to be done. More needs to be done. If ever there was anything that should unify this country, it's putting a stop to these wildfires that are going in Canada right now, and we are the, uh, the greatest nation on Earth. We have the most resources on Earth to, to handle these type of problems, and I would like to hear. More more about what it is exactly that we sent, other than a number of firefighters. Are we sending tankers, are we sending other fire suppression equipment that can help to to solve this problem, because, quite frankly, the president ha- himself has not mentioned. He was in Chicago yesterday doing a speech on Bidenomics, Chicago, which has gotten it as bad as we have here in Detroit, if not worse, so, and didn't mention. And it. so, Charlie, the question is,
0: we have all of this help that we have in Ukraine, American dollars, tax dollars, hitting the streets of Ukraine. What about our neighbors right there in Canada?
6: I agree. I actually agree. I was thinking about that. I asked people er- earlier today about, you know, do we blame Canada for this? And I kind of think we have to. Uh, this is But this is a problem now that has crossed our border. I do agree with you. And I'm thinking that we do have the resources or we should get the resources from the feds or the state or whomever. But to go over there and put these fires out because it is affecting Americans, as the doctor said. Uh, We we can't go outside, we shouldn't. And that's not right either. It is a health emergency that we should take seriously and we should do it now.
0: Chris, how do they finally get a grip on this? You've talked to some of your colleagues up there. What do they have to do? Well, it's, it's a very difficult job. You know, in the past they had towers
7: that they would look out and see if there was a fire and they would uh, take helicopters out to drop two firefighters down on a rope and then they take these chainsaws and cut the trees down to create a fire line to break so it's a very difficult job to do so it's probably a manpower issue. But
6: I was in, I, was in, I happened to be in Sonoma uh, just not too long ago Lucky uh, you. I yeah. know it happened I was doing some wine research there but <laughs> nevertheless uh, but they had fires there not too long ago and you could see through the mountains, they they cut we have the capability to put out fires. It's not easy. It's expensive. But at this point, it, we've got to do it.
0: Well, I mean, it's been happening since May. Congresswoman, I mean, outside of the climate change stuff that you're talking about, the initiatives, what is being done at the federal level to try to help them?
1: Well, first, we've got to start by thanking a firefighter. Mm-hmm. And we've got to start by thanking the men and women who are in this incredible profession. And it's very interesting group, because right before we left uh, to come back for our district work period, we passed— fire safety legislation through committee and plussing up some of the resources that go in, making sure you know, medical and health and the recognition is there. And I think the other piece of this, too, that's come up that is spot on is that Canada is a great friend of ours. It's a great ally. It's a great trading partner. That's the special relationship. So let's have that conversation about the potential increase in medical bills, the asthma that's t- that's ticking up, and the reality that, yeah, we can't go outside. And these are our beautiful but days. Do you, in Michigan? Do you think
0: Congress should be talking more about this? I feel like from a leadership point of view, it's been kind of quiet.
1: Well, I'll tell you, I've been spending time with the, the folks from the West and talking to them about how they've dealt with this. And and I'll tell you, in those committee hearings, it was our our members from the West Coast who were saying, we've been dealing with the ramifications of fires. And we've seen, obviously, much smaller brush fires up in northern Michigan. You know, a tornado hitting Gaylord without warning. Climate change, by the way. That's uh, what Reality. Tell you
0: about what we need to be doing all over this country to try to help put those out.
1: Well, we've got to start by obviously talking to our neighbors in the north. I think that's a really good start here. Well, and, and We, we yeah. also obviously need to be listening to our medical professionals, and we got to look at the larger ramifications.
0: And so, Dr. Doshi, I want you to have uh, the word here, uh, the final word about this. What is it that people at home should be thinking about it, when this lifts again? It's possible if the fires aren't put out. This can happen again, right? Correct. I mean, this is
3: almost wave two. You know, we had this a few weeks ago where we had the health flirts and people had to stay inside it cleared up and then unfortunately it came back and we're back to where we were about three weeks ago so we have to really be careful we have to watch the news we have to look at the reports because these things are causing patients to get sick you know people going out trying to celebrate on the fourth of July and enjoy a, a celebratory weekend with their families and we're, we're stuck inside should we do firecrackers
0: this uh, this fourth of July what do you think <laughs> we should probably avoid doing that <laughs> Chris you'd agree
7: uh, no I don't uh, I don't agree there they, we should uh, mandate med- not doing that. No.
0: Okay. Well, we'll see. We've got
7: we a can doctrine. say we happy
1: 247th birthday to America a different <laughs> way. <word>. We're, <doing laughs> we're, <laughs> <throwing. laughs> we're
0: giving you the last word. Next, stay with us.
8: It's a little hazy. They told us to put on the mask. You wear it to be safe. Where's yours? I don't have it. Is it that bad? Yes. Feels like my eyes have to blink all the time to
6: clear it.
1: Personally, I'm just going to wear my mask and stop going outside
6: right now. What should be done about this air?
1: I don't know what can be done. Otherwise I'd be making more money.
6: Do they need to be blinked right now? <laughs> well, you can't tell. They do, that. they yeah.
8: do? Yeah. yeah, they do. <laughs> you
6: should take off your glasses and blink a little. Okay. Here you go. okay. Tell them what Here you to me. do. <laughs> Ooh, that is bright out there. What can we do to stop this air? Oh no! isn't it from the Canada
8: wildfires?
6: Should Canada do more to stop the fires? No
7: comment. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> no comment either. Canada, help us out! Fix the problem! We don't want to wear the mask.
0: Yeah, we're kind of all sick of that, but Charlie brought out the best, and the people who are watching this, you know what, we all hope to clear the air sometime soon, but that fire needs to be put out. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us tonight. Thank you. Two very important discussions, as well as you at home. We thank you for joining us for this edition of Let It Rip.
4: The Let It Rip discussion continues online. Sound off on Facebook, Twitter, or Fox2Detroit.com.